Welcome to another episode of Healthy Perspectives, a podcast dedicated to patients, healthcare, innovation, and technology. I'm Angelica Kapichko. And I'm Martin Kierton. And we're your hosts. Today, we're talking about all things omnichannel. What exactly is omnichannel, and how do you get started? To find out, we invited Katie Manti, omnichannel expert at the Omnicom Health Group Center of Excellence, and Kieran Elling, a creative director at Patients and Purpose. Really looking forward to talking to you today about Omnichannel. Um, I think lots of our listeners will have lots of questions about it. Some people might be very familiar with it. Other people are just sort of just taking their first steps. I think it might behoove us to even define like what is that buzzword? I think, you know, omni-channel is a word that gets tossed around a lot and we all kind of have our own interpretation of it. But I was wondering if you, you know, how to define it or put it into a, a short sentence, how might you define it and if there's any misconceptions you've come across with it? Sure. And if there's one word that our listeners can take away from what is omni-channel, I'll sum it up as anticipation. I think about how do you anticipate the next thing that you're trying to help an end user, a customer or a patient down this product adoption curve? You're trying to put the next best message in front of them because you're trying to move them down that product adoption curve. Um, so in short, how, how to sum up omni-channel marketing, in my view, it's about anticipating an awesome customer experience. Um, we often talk about the idea of relationship marketing or customer relationship marketing, but I love the idea of customer anticipation or sort of anticipation marketing. Um, I mean, given we got the sort of some sense of what omnichannel means, how is it being used now? What are, what are people what are people actually doing to apply those principles of omnichannel to to sort of anticipate what their customers are doing or, or, or looking for? Yeah, I think there's a a framework that we might use to help us answer this question, Martin. It's around, first and foremost, know your audience. Um, Perhaps what what, what I'm seeing our, our clients do inside the pharmaceutical marketing sector and even beyond is segmentation and starting to think about, okay, how can I cluster my group that I'm trying to reach via segments and what, what's segmentation? That's really when you take a population and you dissect it into some subpopulations around like characteristics, like intents or attitudes or psychographic um, or demographic type data that help put a one of your groups, kind of cluster them together so that you can start to send different messages to people. So as as a creative agency, we're very much interested in how do we put the right content in front of somebody? Um, So I'm seeing segmentation is rising to the top as as a way to venture down this omni-channel marketing maturity curve. Um, I'm seeing creating content modularly. So that's breaking up content. And I'm seeing testing of the content. So if you think of an email that we might create uh, for our uh, constituents, we might test some subject lines because we're not sure what's going to grab our audience. So testing is another way to crawl on this path to um, omni-channel maturity. 
Could you talk a little bit more about the maturity curve itself? I think that's a language that's not necessarily something I've heard before when talking about omni-channel. Um, so I'm sure that, oh, at least I'm sure I'm not the only one. Um, but if you could talk a little bit more about what you mean by that, like are there stages involved or what is that? Yeah, that's a great question. So we have a five-point maturity curve, but you know, it's, it's, again, it's illustrative. And if we think about on the left, the first point is ad hoc or one-offs. Every time I have to send out a communication, I'm creating an email or I'm creating a website and I'm making it ready for everybody. So that means everyone's going to get the same communication. Then in step two, we might talk about multi-channel marketing. So now a brand has got all of these different channels, emails, banner ads, a website, but they're all working uh, unsynchronized. They're all disconnected. They're, you've got a team that does email and you've got a team that does social and that's, that's multi-channel. And we're putting great communications out there, but we're not necessarily joining them or sharing data around a customer experience um, in the center. And then we might move into step three of this omni-channel maturity curve that we call integrated marketing. Okay, we're starting to share information across channels. So think about when you get an email that drives you to a website. Okay, so two channels are starting to get integrated and we're starting to hopefully share some credit that the email and the website are helping move someone along this product adoption curve. So that's integrated marketing. And then we move into one-to-one -one experiences. And we don't necessarily have to have a different image for every patient on the other side, but, it, but we might have more than one image because again, we put people into segments and we've started to think about their differences. And that's where we're starting to get into one-to-one -one marketing, omni-channel marketing. And on some maturity curves, we'll see there's this automated transformed uh, section five where you've now achieved automation. So you do something on a website, perhaps you download a patient support kit, and all of a sudden you're getting an email automatically in your inbox. And that's this notion of um, uh, automated transformation, which is on this fifth point. So you've got these one, two, three, four, five points along a maturity curve. And what we're doing is working with our clients to figure out, okay, where are you on this omni-channel maturity? This might be a good time to to bring Kieran into the conversation. I, I wondered what you've been seeing when you've been working with brands um, in the field, like how they're using Omnichannel at the moment. Well, first off, I just want to ask Katie if I have permission to use auto magically going forward, because I love that. Um, <laughs> Very much so, go for it. If I want to sell a client on Omnichannel, auto magically is definitely going to be in my, in my elevator pitch. Um, yeah, no, I, I would say that most of our the brands at least that I touch are somewhere between stage three and four, um, you know, cross-channel components, um, but with some strides towards that one-to-one -one place, um, haven't seen as, as much uh, auto magic yet, but I think the, um, 
one of the reasons I, I love uh, chatting with Katie and, and bringing her into, into client conversations is she's able to sort of help paint a picture for how we practically get from one stage to the next. And I think there's a lot of sort of mystery around omni-channel and it seems like this this place on the horizon for a lot of clients. But, um, you know, I know we talk a lot about how it isn't just about the end game, all the steps that you can take to get there or, or to build towards an omni-channel place, um, you know, can make a meaningful difference for your brand um, and for the, you know, the customer experience. So, um, I think that's something that sort of gets lost in, you see a lot of fluff out there around Omnichannel, right? And and practically speaking, how do we get from here to there? Yeah, it sounds nice that you don't necessarily have to start from zero to Amazon, like immediately. That's right. I think that some of our clients feel like, oh my gosh, I have to have 17 channels connected from Twitch to, you know, Facebook to my CRM um, and we, we don't want our clients to think that they have to have all these channels connected. You can still do business in a multi-channel way as you're building out omni-channel and starting to connect your web with your email, with your banner ads, and perhaps notifying your, your sales force or your live agents that sit at a, at a call center. Um, so I, I think that is a myth to dispel is that it's not all about 17 channels. Um, it's about start connecting two of the channels or three of your channels and collect data about your constituents, collect data, whether or not they're responding, because if they don't respond, that's learning for you as well, that, hey, maybe that message or that content I put out there wasn't as engaging as I thought it was. So what should I change about it and try again? Yeah, that's a great point that it has doesn't have to be all or nothing. Um, and it makes me kind of think into then kind of those short-term goals um, that uh, our clients and marketers can have internally. I know that they come across a lot of different hurdles internally too, but um, it's interesting to hear about the kind of short-term and stepped phase approach that can um, happen. Are there any kind of incremental um, goals that you can think to to kind of bring up as examples or... Yeah, I think first, again, it's think about your segments. How can I cluster some groups of my population? Um, and then as we were talking about the channels, what I like to do is almost a data assessment per channel. So for each channel, for my website, what data do I know about my customer? Can I understand where they're coming in from? Can I understand which pages they go to? Can I understand that perhaps they stay on the um, side effects page the longest? So that perhaps later in the analytics lab, do I decide, oh, this particular customer that came in from a competitive site, stopped at our site, and read about the side effects, where are they on their journey? What, what other analysis do I need to do? What should I mark as what might resonate, resonate with them as an outbound communication, an email or a, a social feed? So I think those are perhaps the easiest things to do right now is again, under, do a data assessment and understand what data you have on each channel 
And then can you connect it with other channels that can then spawn other communications? Um, and you're, you're really trying to understand where a constituent is, where an end user is along that product adoption curve so that you can present the next best message to them. So to me, it's a lot of data work. Um, it's rolling up your sleeves and um, perhaps working with a data architect to understand what data you have and what data you can pass between channels so you can orchestrate that, that journey for your patient. You know, Katie, that makes me um, think also, Karen, I'd love to hear your perspective on it. Uh, understanding where a patient or a caregiver has very, is very specifically in their journey um, can have an impact on the creative that we put out. And, and if we can really tailor our creative uh, to speak to that moment, it can be so much more impactful. And I just I was wondering, Kieran, what your perspective on that was. Yeah, I, th I think a lot of the same principles that we use, you know, earlier on in the maturity curve still apply. You're just trying to get more micro. And I think using, um, using engagement to tell us uh, on a more personal level where that patient is at, you know, I think beyond just sort of the broader, um, broader segmentation that brands typically look at, where is that, you know, based on the action that that user is taking with the email or on the website, what does that tell us about where they are? And to Katie's point, what that next best message needs to be. Um, and, and the, the data connection and utilization that she's speaking to is sort of what enables that. So I think you're, you know, from my perspective, in terms of where do we start and how do we get there? Often with clients, it's okay, is there a, is there a key segment, a key point in the journey um, where we can start to connect some of these dots, start from there, and then, um, you know, and then scale from there? Because again, it's about what can we do um, along the way to have an impact and sort of build out from there. I think it's, it's you know, the, the building towards omni-channel is the way that I like to think about it um, in that sense. There's no, there's no switch to flip. Is, is there any sort of formula for success or is there a way to sort of know if, what success looks like in omni-channel? Like what's, what's how, if people are sort of beginning to take these first steps, they're sort of perhaps assessing, they're perhaps coming up, working on a data strategy. So how do they tell if they're in the right path? How do they know if they're, they're doing the right things? Yeah, that's a great question, Martin. Um, for starters, the way we think about a measurement plan is that there are leading and lagging indicators. And of course, we wish we knew that all of our marketing would impact the ultimately the, the, the sale of a drug or the use of a drug or the adherence on a drug. But in lieu of maybe not having that data, because that data does go through many different uh, pieces in the healthcare value chain that you don't get it real time, or perhaps even less than weekly, it often comes in at a, at a monthly rate, meaning someone has gone to the pharmacy and gotten their prescription filled. Um, so by that, then we look at leading indicators. We, again, we take channel by channel. Is anybody reading our uh, emails? Is anyone opening our emails? Are our email addresses bad that they're bouncing back? 
Uh, is anyone coming to the website? Is anyone calling the patient support line? So you start to look channel by channel, what kind of engagement are you getting um, in hopes of impacting the, the sale or the adherence of the therapy down the road? So does that make sense? Kind of real time, we can get engagement on our channels and we hope that those are leading indicators that later when the ultimate conversion metric or whatever it is we're trying to get somebody to do, be it again, go to the pharmacy and get your drug uh, filled and then hopefully get it refilled if it's needed and stay on that path, that's going to come later. You don't always get that in a, a real-time uh, metric as you, you might wish. Kieran, did you have any thoughts on, on, on that based on any of the sort of brands that you might have been involved in sort of consulting with on Omnichannel? Any, 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 any things that you thought, well, this was a particularly successful project or perhaps this was like a good place to learn from? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, I would say that, at least in my experience, some of the more advanced brands in, in terms of that maturity curve are actually in the patient services realm um, because they have a sort of case manager um, you know, the patient at the center, but case manager sort of right alongside them, um, you know, with the, the ability to engage one-to-one -one and then um, in many cases sort of see how patients are engaging with other channels, um, you know, trigger certain communications to a patient based on input they've gotten directly or from, you know, the engagement from the other channels that I mentioned um, and so they're they're able to sort of quarterback this experience um, in a more personalized way, um, even in more real time than I think the way that some brands are set up. But um, that's not to say that that that's a necessary role in order to to architect an omnichannel experience. I think it just so happens that where where a lot of the pharma brands are, you know, again, at least that I've seen, the ones that are seem to be further along that maturity curve are the ones with, with case managers kind of sitting at the center, you know, and, and I think there's some parallels there too, to what you see on the HCP side with, you know, a sales rep, um, they, they can sort of quarterback again, that experience for the HCP in a more personalized way, um, you know, than, than the way that other brands may be set up. That's, that, that's great. And I, I, I just, for, for brands that perhaps haven't taken that leap yet, who perhaps don't have their, Automagic in quarterback. Um, what should they be looking for? So, you know, if people don't have this expertise or they have some expertise but want more, um, what should a brand be looking for if they were looking to find sort of an omnichannel partner or consultant? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll say that, you know, we're PMP sort of fortunate to be the AR, AOR for the bulk of our clients. And so I feel like we, we're sitting in a good place to, I guess, to stick with the analogy to quarterback. Uh, you, you know, that what that brand experience looks like and, and ultimately how, um, how the patient experiences it. So um, having the sort of knowledge of, of the channels and how they're meant to work together and the insights for, for the audience, um, you know, and then, you know, uh, bringing in our partners like Katie at, at uh, our OHG Center of Excellence um, to really kind of assess, okay, where are these clients and 
Um, what do they have already have in place? Where do we need to go next? What's important to them? Um, you know, I, I think we're, we're well positioned in a lot of cases to help clients move in that direction. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think, but I, like I said, I think it's not, when you get down to the nuts and bolts, the principles of it are not some big leap for what clients are already trying to do. Um, and I think you just need to show them that that's the case. Yeah, and it's interesting, Kieran, to your point too, about us being involved um, as the AOR, we're, we're often deeply aware of the patient journey as well. And it makes me think of what we were talking about earlier in the conversation about how it's so important to be familiar with the patient journey and to consider the messaging that happens along it as well. So that it makes a lot of sense. The work that the team at Patients and Purpose did with the Cystic Fibrosis Organization, uh, I thought was really interesting in that they listened and tried to understand where is a patient talking about it outside of perhaps our brand or our client, but it's external research that can be done. The way that the team looked at what kind of sites is somebody searching on as they're before they learn about the drug, perhaps when they learn about the, the, the fact that they uh, may have the diagnosis or how they're going to help somebody as a caregiver. And then right after, within that week after finding out, where are they visiting? And then post those seven days. I really think that that was some novel work. We looked at from a, a tech space searching, where, where are people going to learn about this? Because that's helpful to our clients if we can tell them, hey, they might not be coming to our brand website um, at, at first notion. They're, they're going to all of these other places and then perhaps stopping at the brand site. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point, Katie. I, I think we're, we're always trying to understand our, our patients more as as people too, you know, sort of more holistically. And I think data and, and some of the principles of Omnichannel can go a long way towards that. We were looking at, um, well, I guess a couple of things. One was we knew that there were a lot of influences in people's lives, um, you know, sort of life stages and transitions and milestones that they were reaching that were uh, having a great a great impact on adherence. And so it wasn't just about their core patient journey, but their journey as, you know, as individuals. And so um, what were those things that were, um, that we wanted to look closely at, provide content around resources to help them sort of navigate through. And I remember we were looking at um, sort of the, that post-grad age, um, you know, early twenties, and there was a lot of searching around um, pet ownership and, you know, and how that was like sort of a, a next big step in terms of responsibility for these folks. And so that, you know, that really gave us, that's just one example, but that gave us a lot of clues into, um, you know, some of the behaviors and where they're, where else they're going for content, what types of content resources we might want to provide based on that interest. Because again, it was having a direct impact on, um, their use of the medication. So, um, you know, just one small example, but I think the, the ability to look outside at data beyond just, you know, the healthcare realm can really end up having a big impact on, on how we engage. And I know Angelica has some uh, experience on that as well. It's one of the Kathy family here. 
don't know if there's anything you want to add, Angelica. No, I, I was putting, just, putting you on the spot. <laughs> no, no worries. I was just uh, obviously everyone can't see me, but maybe they can hear it in my voice. I was smiling as you were talking because I think one of the key things that we're always trying to do is not just look at them as patients, but human beings too, right? And and all the interests that they might have outside of their journey is a part of their journey too. Um, so I, I do think that the data lets us tell the story that we already feel we know and it, and it helps us really then speak to these patients as human beings. So whether that's through the patient support program that we might provide, whether that's through all the different touch points that are a part of this omni-channel experience, it's important to come across authentically. And I, I just going to sort of add to that. I just think it's, it's, I think we were talking right at the start about, you know, what are the myths or misconceptions about omni-channel? And I think some people might, you might imagine that omnichannel, it sounds like you're aggregating things, you're taking the sort of top-down view. And it's interesting that actually the opposite is kind of true. You can actually use it as a tool to be more personal and more realistic to individual people um, by using all that data. So I just think that's, it's an interesting idea that actually by almost taking account of everything, you can be more specific with the actual person you're trying to contact. That's a really beautiful thought, Martin. <laughs> that really is the essence of omni-channel. It's how, how do we converse better? I love it. So I was wondering then, we're, we're talking about kind of omni-channel now. Um, is there anything we want to talk about in terms of omni-channel on the horizon? Yeah, in my view, we are definitely moving towards integrating more of these channels right? And there's, as marketers, we know there's strange channels being fabricated right now as we speak, right? There's some new Twitch-like channel that our clients are going to need to be able to reach their constituents on. So as we move towards this consumer-centric ecosystem, in my view, the, the, the brands that are collecting data today are the ones that are going to be viable three years out. I also see one other trend that I think is really interesting. We're coming at it from a patient lens, but we also do work from the healthcare professional lens. And I think that someone's going to figure out how to intersect the two and intertwine and influence patient and healthcare journeys and start to bring those together. Um, to me, I think that's really where the, the magic is going to happen in the future. It's how do you influence those moments? Um, and I, again, the crystal ball that I have says it's going to be through data. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with, um, especially that last point. I think, um, you know, as much as we can, we're, we're already trying to gain insight into, um, you know, the doctors that, patients are seeing and how that, you know, not just sort of taking a blanket approach, but if we're, if we're, for example, trying to arm patients for, you know, that, or equip them, I should say, for that patient doctor conversation, right? Um, knowing who's on the other side of that and what their attitudes are, their behaviors are, matters a, a tremendous amount. And so, you know, if you were to think about in-office communication where you can have this intersection of, okay, we know we have doctor from segment B and patient from segment C, you know, what does that conversation look like? How can we tailor, let's say, the, you know, the mobile banner that they see on their phone um, while they're in the waiting room to to really 
better enhance that conversation. So it's not just a one size fits all communication, you know, that they're, we're teeing up maybe the right questions or the right, the right language um, to make that conversation the most successful it can be. And, and again, that's just like sort of one, one use case. I think there's a lot of potential beyond it, but it's, it's, it's a great point. I think that's sort of the, the next level to set our sights on. What did we not talk about so far that people should know about Omnichannel? Or is, or is there something else that we didn't get to and you're like, you know, what people don't realize about Omnichannel is, is this. I think one way to break Omnichannel down, to me, the most simplistic way is to think about it in three components. It's customers, it's content and channels. And I draw those three circles and I'm trying to figure out how do I connect them? So I look at, again, we've been talking about customers or try, how do we reach them? What's the message to put in front of them? Channels, which ones should we try to have a conversation on? And then content, what content are we going to put in front of them? What, what messages, what, what papers, what social feeds, what emails? Um, so to me, I, I, I think that thinking that that's to me the easiest way to break down this complex omni-channel ecosystem. It's customers, content, and channels. Well, thanks so much for both of you for joining us today. It's It's been really fascinating to learn more about omni-channel and sort of get a sense of what is it, how do you apply it, and you know what are the benefits of it? So just really wanted to say thank you so much both to, to Katie and Kieran for, for taking part in this conversation today. Thank you, it's a pleasure. Thanks for, for having us on. Really fun to have this chat and uh, I hope we get to have more conversations with the folks out there listening about Omnichannel and how we can apply it to their brands. It's reassuring to know that Omnichannel doesn't have to be unobtainable. And it's never too late to start thinking about what it could mean for your brand. Thanks for listening to this podcast. As always, stay tuned for the latest updates and perspectives from Patience and Purpose by following us on LinkedIn, Instagram, and other social platforms.